Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You hide your fear well. Poor child. If only you had the power to protect your friends. Shows what you know. I'm growing more powerful every day. Unfortunate there's no one left to train you. The Jedi of old are dead. Not all of them. Padawans to episode 139 of Full Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-host, Bobby Roberts, Brian Young, Amy Ratcliffe isn't with us this evening, but uh, I think in, in her departure this week, we'll, we'll do her proud. I think she's going to enjoy the show either way, and I know she wishes she was here, but she has other things going on. So, uh, Bobby, on the episode this week, um, we have a lot of things to discuss, and one of those being Brian pretty much out of commission for the last week and a half. Yeah, it's good to have the man back. It's funny because we missed him last week and we heard that he was a little bit under the weather, yeah. a tiny bit under the weather. And and it turns out uh, Brian's skills at understatement uh, are amazing <laughs> because he wasn't just under the weather. Um, Brian, I ended up getting hospitalized for pneumonia. <laughs> yeah, that's almost under the ground, Brian, not yeah. under the weather. I, it was a mild case. You were hospitalized. You went to yeah. the hospital. Explain your hospital stay, by the way, because you said, uh, you know, most people when they go to the hospital, uh, they get put in a funny gown and their and their butt hangs out and they catch weird breezes from strange places and and nurses just sort of look sideways at them and and treat them like slabs of beef that they have to stab with a needle every now and again to make sure they stay alive. Uh, but your experience at a hospital wasn't like that. You have stories. I do actually uh, stories related to the podcast, no less. Really. Um. So I uh, went in and I was wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. I mean, I was I was dressed in pajamas and most of my pajamas consist of Star Wars t-shirts. Actually, before and, you continue, Yeah, this, I was just going to ask the same thing. Go ahead. Yeah, this this was actually a point of contention uh, in last week's episode. And, in, and uh, I was made to feel inferior, rightfully so, apparently. Uh, how many Star Wars t-shirts do you have, Brian? Uh, probably too many. About. Give us the number. Yeah. I don't know. A dozen? A dozen? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So All Amy's right. on top with her plus 30. I'm around 20. Brian's at 12. And Bobby, we you two or three? Two. Okay. I have two. I mean, I've got like maybe three in rotation. Yeah. I have three really go-to ones. And the okay. rest are just, I wear around the yard, around the house, going shopping, doing dumb stuff like that. I mean, that. the majority of Star Wars t-shirts I own are for nothing but like pajamas and wearing around the house. Yeah, or being hospitalized for pneumonia. Yeah, or being hospitalized for pneumonia. Okay, all right. Um, the other thing is, real quick, you can't get rid of a Star Wars shirt, at least I can't. So Ariana saves them and cuts out the logos on them, and then she's making a quilt out of my old Star Wars shirts. That's yeah, yeah. That's it really does the same thing. Anyway, your story's Brian. Um, so I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt, and I, after waiting in the 
the waiting room and coming in and um you know the nurse is in to put my IV in and the student doctor comes in and I was convinced it was Eric Bana. Huh. Um the guy looked just like Eric Bana. Um from the first Hulk movie like it was uncanny and he had that same kind of nerdery too. Yeah. Did he introduce himself like, "Hi Brian, I'm Nero." Uh Sure. Um, he would we'll do it more that. like this. Um, so he looks at the Star Wars shirt and he goes, oh, so you're like into Star Wars. I was super into Star Wars, like pretty excited about the new movie. And then he starts telling me about the trailer hmm. and he's like, the movie looks really cool. And then he kind of takes it a step further to the point where like I have n- I've never been in a in the wild conversation about this. And I'm like, maybe we should talk about my illness. <laughs> but uh, he's like. Um, so what do you think about what they did with the cannon? <laughs> and I'm, and, and, you know, I'm not one to shy away from this conversation, even though I can barely talk and I have a fever of a hundred, almost a, I, I went into the hospital because I had a, th- a fever of 103.7. Yeah, that's not good. And, uh, these guys were here to presumably help bring it down, which they did gratefully. And uh, so I'm in this delirious fever, and my doctor, who is Nero, is asking me about the Star Wars canon. And uh, can you believe that they wiped out Mara Jade? Like I'm supposed to believe that didn't happen? I saw it happen. Well, this is what he did. He he starts going like, you know, this new stuff looks really cool, and I'm really excited about it. But I wish they would have gone through with some of the old stuff. He's like, I think Timothy Zahn's work was so good, Don't and kill like. Me. Happen. I saw it happen. So and and like at this point, I'm like convinced I'm in a fevered dream because there's no way my doctor at the hospital is name dropping Timothy Zahn, and he's like, "Man, I used to be so into those books. I mean, I haven't in a while, but man, at the corner I can't." Of your eye, he's he's got like a little slug and a forceps, and he's just sort of slowly moving it towards your mouth. <laughs> he goes. He goes. uh I don't, uh, I mean, like, no one else around here would probably care if I was talking about the truce of Bakura. But, uh, you know, it was a really good book, was I, Jedi. I really loved that one. I was a little curious about how they were going to do the first person thing. And I'm like, I'm at a convention. I'm not actually at the hospital. <laughs> and, and then he starts talking about Mike Stackpole's books and how much he loves Stackpole hmm. and how, uh, how much the X-Wing books and then the Wraith Squadron books and Aaron meant to him. Wait a second. Are you sure that with the 103.5 degree fever, you weren't just hallucinating this all and he was talking I, about pneumonia? Are you sure? I had my wife verify all of this because <laughs> she watched this go down. She's like, it doesn't matter in what condition you are in or where I take you. Someone will talk Star Wars at you. It's crazy. You're like, you yeah. have to talk uh-huh. before you get, you'll get uh, so, any kind of service. Although I do like, the idea, I do like the idea of Brian being in one of those like Looney Tunes uh, hallucinogenic states where uh, he's talking to essentially a box of used syringes. <laughs> but but because he's in that strange state, it, it, like he thinks it's Eric Bana from Star Trek 09, sort yeah. of like how Bugs Bunny used to think that Elmer Fudd was a giant talking hot dog, you know, those sorts of deals. Um, the, the best part of the conversation, though, is that uh, he goes, man, though, you know, it was really bad. Kevin J. Anderson's books. And I remember distinctly making the comment, well, at least he's working on Dune now and I don't have to worry about him on Star Wars. 
And the doctor just goes, oh, man, but I love Dune so much. <laughs> and he's ruining Dune, too. And I was like, well, let's just hope he stays with Rush. Well, we should use our, uh, our divine influence here. Uh, what's this doctor's name? So just in I case don't anyone... remember. What? You don't remember his name? No, all I could remember was up... Eric Bana. No. Dr. Bana. Dr. Nero is not his actual name. This is... We could be... You, you need to go back to that hospital and try and find Dr. Nero and get his real name. Not only so that we can increase his profile in the greater Salt Lake area so that he can get a lot more business. But also, when I do eventually I, leave this show, you guys have a built-in co-host who can come and hang out at Brian's house. With a PhD. Exactly! I think, I think he might have been a student. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, because there was another doctor that came in and kind of had to check his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the diagnosis and stuff. And then I remember maybe some, I don't know. So if anyone knows a student at the University of Utah who's practicing medicine in the ER at uh, the, the hospital up at the U, yeah, uh, that looks, that is a dead ringer for Eric Bana who can talk capably about, uh, you know. You know the- what you had? You had the most niche episode of Scrubs that never aired. <laughs> That's what happened. You caught pneumonia and wound up in an episode of Scrubs that nobody's gotten to see. That's what happened. It was Don't weird. It didn't happen. I saw it happen. It was weird. By the way, that's like uh, my favorite line from Star Trek. Yeah, 09. but you did it good. You, you you mushed it together good. Hey, let me ask you this, Brian. Did, did he talk yeah. to you because you were wearing a Star Wars shirt? Or you have a pretty high profile in the Salt Lake area no, about the Star Wars. No, he had Wars. no idea who I was. He, he you asked think he me, looked like, you up? Uh, he said he was going to afterwards, actually, because he was asking me where I could have contracted. Before we determined it was pneumonia, he was going through asking if I'd been traveling and stuff. And I was like, yes. And he was like, well, what kind of traveling... Um, he was asking about my day job and asking about the traveling. And I was like, I was at these conventions uh, and he's like, so what are you going to all these conventions for? And I was like, well, I'm a writer and I was doing this stuff and I was in New York promoting my children's book and I was in Dragon Con promoting my, um, my other books. And he's like, well, that could be a source of, of uh, infection. And then he thought it could have been syphilis actually, which was actually his bedside manner was brilliant. He sent Amberly out of the room. Uh, he's like, could you, could you leave us? Could you, could you go so we can talk for a minute? And she's just like confused. And I am too. Cause I'm like, I brought her here. So, cause she, cause obviously I can't talk. And he's like, Hey, so you've been on a lot of these trips, right? Cause this could totally be an STD. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, you, you rested, weren't like, he rests an arm on your shoulder. Look, give it to me straight. You got the sip, don't you? I got some penicillin <laughs> for you guy. Um, talk some star wars i'll give it to you so i was like no no i've been good this is honestly i have no idea what this is you're a man about town you know a lot about star wars obviously all kinds of strange is just going to be washing over you like (laughs) strange is falling in your lap from all over the place at these i remember saying honestly like no sir i lead quite a boring life and he goes well we have all the same interests and i don't think my life is that boring that's awesome did (laughs) he ask if you were in uh, western africa in the last three weeks uh well that was he he asked where I traveled okay. and I needed very specific places but uh they were all inside the US I'm tell I'm telling you guys uh this is a huge missed opportunity if we don't figure out a way to rotate no. him the regular uh rotation here on full of sick at like least we- have one just to discuss Star Wars and how often he brings it up in the bedside manner at the hospital like we need to get Doctor Nero up on this show 
ASAP. Stat, to use medical terminology. Stat, we need Dr. Nero. Someone help us find Dr. Nero. And Dr. Nero, if you are listening. Dr. Nero Banner. Yeah, you seemed rather taken uh, with with our brain. I would love to. I would love to talk Star Wars canon with him now that he's saved my life, and I can. Uh, <laughs> now that he's saved my life, and I can actually talk capably and not in a delirious babble. That's hmm. awesome. Well, we're, glad, we're glad to have you back, Brian. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be back. And one of the things we didn't discuss last week because we wanted to do it while you were here, and now sadly Amy isn't, is uh, talk about Rebels. I mean, you got to see, you saw the first, the two parter in New York at Comic Con. And then yeah. we've had some episodes since then that we really haven't discussed. So, you guys want to get into some Rebels talk right now? Bob, uh, caught up? Yeah, I'm all caught up. I, I watch the show when it comes out. Uh, I, st- I work it into my uh, workout routine like I always have. It's going to be really weird uh, the one day I sit down to watch Rebels and I'm not like on a bike. You're going to be moving your legs either way. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I sit down to watch it in a theater on the off chance I actually make it to a uh, a big fan event or something, and my legs just start bicycling in the middle of the whole Pavlov's <laughs> dog theaters. thing. Oh, exactly. Yeah, something's gonna happen. Yeah, I just I just drop and start doing twenty, <laughs> doing sit ups. I can't watch Rebels unless I'm exercising. Sorry, guys. I'll just I'll move that's on the rules. Time. Those are the rules. I don't know. I don't know what happened this week. I can't think back to remember what took the time away from me. Maybe it was my Xbox issues, but I hmm. didn't get to watch Rebels until. Last night at like ten o'clock, like we're sitting there, and Anya goes, well, "Wasn't Rebels on this week?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I didn't watch Rebels." So I just watched it last night, and uh, so it's fresh in my memory. So, um, so do you want to go back? Then. What was that, Bobby? So, so lead us off then. You you should lead. You, it's freshest in your mind. Yeah. So where we left off last night was um, we had Ezra and Sabine and Zeb took Chopper to this abandoned space station type thing that um, had was supposed to have medical supplies and while they're there there's some funny banter back and forth between zeb and ezra because zeb's like hey kid why don't you uh find the find the medical supplies with that dre- that jedi uh training that you had and, and ezra's all cocking like no it doesn't work like that but chase me and then they're chasing each other in the halls <laughs> and it was funny because zeb like got totally crushed by those boxes that ezra threw on him i thought that was funny anyway i digress so while this is all going on um they're off looking and Chopper's by himself, and then these... They look like buzz droids. Were they buzz droids, Brian? No, they were not buzz droids. They or were they? Imperial. Uh, they were like Imperial probe droids, but they were like the Seven Sisters pet. And actually, Bobby, you might find this interesting. Mm. Um, Filoni said that those were uh, a G.I. Joe reference that uh, Snake Eyes used to have his little owl. Ah. And so the, these were her equivalent of Snake Eyes as like forest friends. I do appreciate. I think that's pretty cool. Um, that that would not have occurred to me. Actually, what occurred to it looked like they were uh, sort of like repurposed pit droids from Phantom Menace. Honestly, they have the the center. You know, yeah, big. they looked like a mix between those and and like the functionality of like a yeah a probe droid. Yeah. And I'm so used to at this point after uh, you know just swimming in the comics all this time uh, and watching a lot of Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, I'm very used to uh, old. Uh, old phantom menace and attack of the clones uh designs getting repurposed for new stories so i i don't i think it like occurred to me but i didn't really think much of it i was like oh yeah so they probably just whipped up some some pit droids into these weird mean things with the pincers and the and and her uh her costume itself was like a kylo ren design that wasn't used Mm -hmm. um 
Was so it? yeah, that's what that's what Filoni had said. Um, that mask was pretty badass. And which is interesting that they're already using on Rebels discarded designs from a movie we haven't even seen yet. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so anyway, I, for life of me, I can't remember her name, but it's uh, Sarah the Michelle Geller. Si- the seventh sister. Yeah, so it's Sarah Michelle Geller, which is Freddie Prince Jr.'s lady. And mm-hmm. so um, they overmodulated her voice, but you could still hear her voice in it. And I thought that that was pretty cool. But back to the storyline, uh, Chopper's getting all messed up by these little droid things and then they're like oh we got to go save chopper because all of a sudden ezra now understands everything chopper's saying and this is like the worst uh commentary on a tv show ever i'm just trying to remember how i saw it and then they go to go save chopper and they run into her and which was really cool and then they're trying to get away and the other inquisitors there too and they kind of have like a little spat between each other about keeping them alive and i liked it i liked the episode Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I like that. I was saying to Anya before the episode that one of the differences, because she compared Chewie with Zeb, and I said one of the things between, one of the differences between Chewie and Zeb is, so you don't really understand what Chewie's saying, and he can get away with pretty much be saying anything, but he's also still looked at as like this tough, menacing, scary guy. But with Zeb, he talks regular dialogue, and he can be used in, in comical situations like being on the end of the line to to go fishing for jaws and <laughs> um so there's a that that's one of the differences and i how, how i explained that to her and um i like that usually they use him in a comical way but then he was the hero of this episode uh using his wits and his brains and and saving. i like the part where he said I, you know i want to i don't want anything to happen to these two kids i'm gonna get them out of here i, I like that i like that they use zeb in that manner thoughts no i i think this episode uh balanced the uh tension and comedy better than i think we've seen a lot um i don't necessarily like i didn't feel the emotional punch at the end of this episode that we've kind of gotten in other episodes but it set up a lot of interesting uh dynamics it brought in the idea that the inquisitor they dealt with in the first season was the grand inquisitor and that you know with him being named the fifth brother and her being named the seventh sister there's obviously a lot of these guys out there yeah well, or at least seven. there's at least seven of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that they keep going to Canaan and asking, like, why didn't you tell us that they were more And Canaan has no idea. That's kind of alerting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I will say so, this, though, like speaking of Canaan, his uh, his characterization is getting uh, a little more interesting and it's getting more interesting in a way that I think a lot of viewers uh, aren't expecting or weren't expecting. Like they expected Canaan to become uh, more fully developed via, you know, his going out and and fighting the bad guys and training Ezra. Um, and what's happening is that he's becoming more of a character uh, because he's not actually doing all that well at training Ezra or, you know, trusting Rex. Um, and we're starting to get a sense of him through his stumbles and his failures, which I think is actually way more interesting. Mm-hmm. Provide uh, a lot more opportunity for Freddie Prinze Jr. to actually uh, imprint himself not only on the character, but on the viewer's themselves i think we identify with characters a little bit more when we see them like scrape up their shins and and face plant after a really honest attempt same with like sabine in this episode sabine is very interesting in this episode um largely because she's trying you know using all of her wits to help maneuver uh these two inquisitors and it's not working um and putting her in situations where 
she should be getting the upper hand if she isn't and she has to react to that that makes her uh, a more interesting character i still think she's by far the least developed of any of these characters but i know for a fact because of that trailer we saw uh, a while ago that sort of spells out what's going to happen this season like she's going to get an arc and yeah. her arc's like it's going to be one of the more interesting ones and it's definitely going to tie directly back uh into the clone wars so uh yeah, that, that those were my thoughts on on Kanan, who didn't really play that much of a, a role in this episode. He didn't. He there just, was a nice uh, space chess game going on with Rex, though. One yeah. of the things that I'm kind of I'm I'm a little bit concerned about with the show is that they've they did a really good job with season one, giving us episodes where each member of the team was sort of highlighted uh, or had moments in every episode. And now it seems like every adventure they've gone on, it's like, hey, what story do we want to tell? Okay, how can we limit the the amount of people we send on this mission? Um, you know, so they've benched Hera every episode this season so far. Yeah, uh, Kanan got benched. I mean, like, because of course you can't have Hera show up in the first two episodes of the season with the clones because she would talk everyone down. <laughs> you know, she would have diffused the situation so there, so there wouldn't have been any tension. Yeah. And uh, this episode, like, obviously Kanan couldn't have been there because Kanan could have probably come up with a way. Like, if Kanan could take down the Grand Inquisitor by himself, he could take down these two, yeah. you know? So it's like, we've got to get rid of Kanan. How do we make this interesting and send these kids off on their own? You know, it, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it seemed like it was a pretty safe maneuver to send them off to. A couple of things real quick that I wanted to bring up. First of all, we saw for the trailer next week that uh hondo's back so that seems like it's going to be more of a comedic uh uh high energy episode it's not going to be as uh scary as the last couple episodes have been um the other thing was do you think that with this episode ezra in the beginning was getting a little too cocky and he did show some some signs of uh bravery when he was talking to the seventh sister and um but do you think that he needed to be in this situation and just barely get out with his life to kind of bring him down to earth kind of getting like little luke cocky or anakin cocky or am i just wrong no i don't i don't think you're wrong i think there's i think they're setting it up so that he's getting comfortable uh in using the force and when you get comfortable uh in any sort of story that's a that's a prime opportunity uh to to build character because uh you don't want your characters to be all that comfortable all that often like uh comfort uh, makes for very boring drama uh <laughs> so having him seem sort of comfortable in the force you know like daring like i I can do it without the force. I don't need it. You know, that, that sort of stuff. While it was fun to have them do their, their big brother, little brother routine once again, uh, it definitely did help set up, uh, you know, the, the rest of the episode. Like, you needed him to be that comfortable. So when two force users show up that are better at it than he is, uh, we, have to root, we have to root for him. Even if we don't like Ezra, and there are people who still don't like Ezra. Um, and, and even those people, I think, ended up having to be invested because, uh, you know, you set him up and then you pulled the rug out from under him. Uh, and now you're in a position to want him to win. Uh, even characters you don't like, if you can bring them low in an interesting enough way, you find yourself rooting for them because there's just something about that underdog, underdog struggle sure. that, that hits people in the chest, even if they don't want to root for that underdog, you know? Um, so I, I think they have, Ezra feeling a little bit cocky in every episode just because that's his his personality uh but you can't really humble him if he doesn't you know start feeling himself a little bit too much so mm -hmm. I, I mean I'm I'm enjoying the trajectory and I, I I think that uh there's going to be a little bit of a um 
you know, a warming in period, a warming up to period of the way this season is going to be told. Season one, they knew they had those, you know, dozen episodes uh, or thereabouts, and that was it. Now we've got a, uh, twice that for this season, and we know that there's a season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're able to take their time a little bit better and do smaller character moments and do a longer arc, to be honest, which I think is going to be really interesting. Um, watching this episode, though, and in my sickness watching the Lord of the Rings movies, um, Filoni had mentioned that Ahsoka was much more the Gandalf character, mm. where she would come in and leave and because she's got her own thing going on, you know, she'd come in and she'd help and she'd be that, that white knight, uh, you know, where she could be, where she could rescue them at the last second when no one expected her to. Um, but then I started thinking about the scene with the Balrog. Yeah. And, uh, how bad this is probably going to go for Ahsoka. If, if Gandalf is her, yeah, her, her benchmark for this series shall not pass. Fly, you fools. <laughs> yeah. Literally in a ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly, you fools. Like, no, I, I think if Filoni is name dropping Gandalf, uh, he's doing that for a very specific reason. Not to say that, you know, you need to be watching uh, those Rebels recaps that StarWars.com puts out and trying to mine them for as <laughs> hints as possible. I don't think that's I don't think that's the primary use of those. But um there's still obviously a lot of thought that Filoni is putting in, especially when we're dealing with characters like Rex and Ahsoka, who are his, like, straight out, 100%. Uh, you know, like, there's, if he's putting that much thought into it, and we know that he is, and he's using references like Gandalf, it's not as surface as you might want to write it off. Uh, and Gandalf is a pretty interesting example to be using. Yeah. Which, would, which would probably make Vader the Balrog here, would it not? I, that's that, and that's what I'm thinking. Or, I mean, maybe Palpatine's the Balrog. No, Palpatine's Sauron. I, I, I know, but but think about like, which would make Plagueis Melkor, I guess. <laughs> um, I would imagine you know putting putting uh, if I'm Palpatine and I see the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker out there, <laughs> you don't want that. So there's there's two things Palpatine is going to be concerned about here. One, that maybe Vader is going to try to turn her because he can reveal his identity and say, this is what happened. I need you back on my side and together we can destroy the Emperor. Yeah. So that's a concern. The other concern is that maybe Snips brings Anakin back. Maybe she reminds him of, of his humanity and how there's another path away from where, you know, Ahsoka left the Jedi Order, Anakin left the Jedi Order, and she found her way in the opposite direction of Anakin. Maybe she could put him down that path. And I, so, with I the... Could see, I could see him thinking that. I could see Palpatine possibly thinking that. But uh, what's interesting about that one uh, episode, that that episode arc that didn't quite get finished, I forget what the name of it was. It popped up on StarWars.com. It was just basically... Uh, the Crystal Crisis. Yeah. There's a conversation between Obi-Wan and Anakin in there about uh, Ahsoka leaving. And what I thought was a very interesting piece of characterization that I, I'm happy it got out in the form that it got out, but I really wish it had been uh, done in full so it could have gotten a little bit more serious consideration just 
you know, from having been aired and being put on Blu-ray boxes and all that sort of stuff. Um, Anakin doesn't seem to regard Ahsoka's leaving um, as... <laughs> he, he thinks of it as a thing that affects him and not a thing that affects her, which makes sense for Anakin because he's selfish and it's always all about Anakin. And bad things that happen are things that happen in a way to inconvenience Anakin. And like, like they don't really matter to the people they're actually happening to. All Anakin cares about is whether or not it's affecting him. True. And Obi-Wan kind of goes along with it. So it seems like both Obi-Wan and Anakin in this conversation about Ahsoka leaving uh, are tending to place more blame on Ahsoka than anything. And that's how Anakin's sort of justifying it. He's not sort of like, maybe Ahsoka's onto something. Although maybe at some point he kind of internalizes it in the back. But he seems to basically talk himself into believing by the time that conversation is done. He seems to talk himself into believing that Ahsoka is the one who screwed up. And I can see see that coming into play if he ever meets her again. Not so much, I'm going to turn her to the dark side. But I'm going to finally make her pay for daring to abandon me. Because how dare you? leave me awesome Anakin how dare you walk off on your own and make your own decisions without thinking about how it's going to affect me so the next time he sees her I can see him tapping into that anger so it's not so much well you're a force user and I can use you to overthrow the emperor but more you're finally going to get what's coming to you for daring to walk away from me chump but I think um, there's an element to it too where Anakin Anakin went from that moment uh, of Ahsoka leaving to being completely and utterly betrayed by the the Jedi in his in his point of view uh very quickly and mm-hmm. so i could see him now in this after period thinking that maybe she did make the right choice to get away from the Jedi because they were that corrupt nah nah i don't i don't i, I don't see him bridging that connection because it ends up either giving Ahsoka or the Jedi credit um, and the only person Anakin really wants to give any credit to is himself. Like, if he can figure out a way to justify it so that he is right and also Ahsoka is right, then maybe. But I don't see him doing that because the, the main obstacle to thinking that is uh, Ahsoka daring to, to abandon him. <laughs> well, no, I think it's. I, I, don't, I don't see him getting over that at any point or even thinking to use that. It's sort of like, how dare you? I could see him trying to. To bring her over onto his side, I, I t- can totally see that. But I watched uh, the Darth Mark on um, <laughs> Clone Wars last night too. When uh, the Emperor comes to uh, Mandalore to face off against Darth Maul and Savage Press, and he comes in all nice and and Darth Maul's all respectable, and then he says, "Well, you know, I think you're trying to uh, you're trying to pull one over on me." I'm paraphrasing here, and then he totally kicks both their asses. And it was like, so I can see Anakin trying to change her. And once he realizes that's not going to happen, then he's going to punish her for making mm-hmm. him have the feelings that he has. And what's interesting is that we were talking about rebels here. Um, and it's definitely a thing that <laughs> it's, I don't want to call it a problem because so long as it's involving the audience and no matter how you involve the audience, uh, if you get that involvement, you're doing it correctly. Um, it really does seem that Rebels is more or less becoming uh, a, a Clone Wars spinoff and yeah. not its own show that has ties back into the Clone Wars. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I do think it's interesting that the uh, the aspects of the show that seem to be drawing us in aren't necessarily uh, Kanan and Ezra uh, and Hera and Zeb uh, and Chopper. I, I honestly like they fit in 
but it's all about how we can figure out ways to tie <laughs> to the larger conflict uh, that was introduced in Clone Wars, and the the focuses of that conflict aren't necessarily Ezra and Kanan. How they can factor into it will be interesting, and well, seeing how this path unfolds uh, is going to be a big draw, but it really does seem to be that Rebels is now a show that is about how we get Vader and Ahsoka to hash their stuff out. And how does Rex factor into that? How do we get... I mean, because one of the big cathartic moments uh, so far of the series uh, has been watching uh, you know, the, the Clone Wars era go up against the Empire era. Like, that entire two-parter probably didn't need to be a two-parter. Like, it could have just been <laughs> that second episode and it would have been just as satisfactory. Uh, because that was absolutely both uh, the meat and the sizzle all in one. Uh, I like I like it all tying together, though. I mm-hmm, I see what yeah. you're saying about uh, Ezra and Kanan being the the focal points of the heroes of this this series. But I I just like how we can look back well, to Clone Wars and see how I think yeah. I th- I think that there's a there's a thing going on though that that this phenomenon this conversation is disproving though, right? where every 40 seconds you've got someone saying, holy crap, the new Star Wars is completely denying the prequels. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I, think that's a, I think that's a very minority opinion that just... No, no, it is, but I'm, I mean, like, how often do people send you those articles? Uh, not, not as frequently as when uh, we weren't getting any visuals uh, or audio from what the new movie uh, looked like. Um, it's it's not as much now. Granted, but, there are, but those people are just into feeding but, the schism because that's how they pay attention to Star Wars. Now they don't actually and, pay attention to Star Wars; they but, pay attention to the fights that make them feel like they're vital to Star Wars. My my point is though is that this the universe is I think as cohesive as it's ever been. Yeah, and and that's kind of my point, right? Where we can't have a discussion about what might have happened on Rebels just four years prior to the destruction of the Death Star and Alderaan without uh, ramifications of the Clone Wars. And I don't think we're going to be having those conversations. I think when Force Awakens comes out, I think there's still going to be echoes and ripples of ramifications from the prequels. I mean, there obviously has to be, like, because the prequels annihilated all the Jedi. You know, like, obviously that's a ripple effect that's going to be dealt with Mm -hmm. eventually in Force Awakens. Or oh, in yeah. that no, era. No, yeah, it's like I was talking about with the uh, my my assumption that there were obviously just uh, retooled pit droids uh, floating around uh, Buffy the Jedi killer. Like it's just the universe is absolutely you're correct as cohesive as it's ever been. Even if the the quality of the entries in that universe can be disparate uh, and and controversial, uh, it's not like the setting itself is the problem because well, it's very obvious within the comics. And these television shows, both Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, the settings are ripe for great storytelling and that you can take things out of those specific settings and drop them into new areas and they fit just fine. Um, but I do think that it's interesting that uh, with Rebels, uh, the, the stuff that seems to be kicking us in the chest the most, and it's probably because we've spent more time with the characters, uh, is stuff that relates back to Ahsoka and, and Rex, you know, those sorts of deals. And that's like, all we've had, though. We've had yeah. the pilot and mm-hmm. three episodes. The pilot, or the, I don't know, like the, the premiere movie, I guess, for season two mm-hmm. was, like, the kicker for that was Anakin and Ahsoka. Yeah. And then the first two episodes are Captain Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. Uh-huh. And you know what I mean? So it's like, that's all we've kind of had to chew on. 
Well, and, and maybe also they Filoni's, can get us back there. Yeah, but Filoni's also uh, one of the little teases that he did give uh, in that po- episode discussion was the fact that uh, even one of the uh, the new Inquisitors has a tie back to Clone Wars. Well, no, I thought that was the Grand Inquisitor. No, I think he said it was one of the new Inquisitors. Was I think in- like everybody went crazy looking for a power. Well, and it's the the thing is that it's almost got to just just via the naming conventions, it almost has to have something to do with the Mortis arc, I think. But I don't know. <laughs> it there's not that many characters well, in the Mortis arc for the, for us to be spun. This off. is what. Um, so here's the thing, though: the modulation on Sarah Michelle Geller's voice mm-hmm. is the same um, multi voice modulation that you hear on the father, the son, the daughter, and then it, even Mother Talzin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which says to me either she's um, she's tapped into into a different source of the force, like Mother Talzin was with the mm-hmm. that more Death Amiri like dark magic, or she has something to do with Mortis, or but there's something more to her than just yeah. I'm a Moralian. Yeah, uh, no, they've got, they've got to have something to do with Mortis somehow. Simply just, I mean, just because the naming convention: father, son, daughter. And now we have sisters and brothers. Yeah. Numbered, yeah. you know, like the one. And I mean, with the naming conventions all point to being something to do with Mortis. Now, the thing is, you can't go back and comb the Mortis arc episodes to see if you can find like, you know, uh, the, the fifth brother poking his head out behind a rock. And he's, you know, got, he's got big eyes and he's all tiny. He's got a giant head or something. I don't know. Like you can't find a chibi version of that character hiding in the background and go, Oh, that's what it is. Okay. But th- there's gotta be some sort of tie back to Mortis. Um, I, I feel like there's no other way around that. It seems to me, especially, I mean, and even when you look at the markings on the grand Inqui- inquisitors, uh, head and it looks yeah. exactly like the sun's, you know, like, eh. yeah, there's no, some, I, there's I, something I, there. I'm curious as to how he's going to slap those particular cards down. The uh, thing I the- love about this era of Star Wars, though, is that almost every story introduces more questions and more ties to other things we know about. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know what the great thing about this show is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two guys some, some amazing credit. Here I am uh, doing a podcast with you two about Star Wars, and I totally went into listener mode, listening to <laughs> you talk about uh, this. This might be tied into the uh, the Mortis arc and. It's fascinating because I, I don't think I've ever would have come to that conclusion myself, like that thought, those questions. And that, that's what's fascinating about listening to you two talk about Star Wars. So, Thank you, man. I'm just saying that that's that's amazing because to get me to shut up is something special. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask, let me ask you this real quick. What was your standout moment in the last episode of Rebels? Like the standout moment for you? The, the, the whole scene with with Ezra and Sarah Michelle Gellar's character um, mm-hmm. when she's trying to turn him, like tell him that. You know, there is no, uh, he's not going to be trained right. He's, he's, there are no other Jedi and he comes back into the, there are Jedi. And it, it led some questions to me because I love that trying to turn somebody in, in all of Star Wars. I just, I love to see that struggle back and forth. But then it made me think that, you know, so we know Ahsoka lives and we know that uh, Kanan survived and we know that Ezra has the force in him. It, it made me think that maybe between now and, uh, a new hope. Maybe there are some other Jedi that did make it out and uh, they survived and they're going to be playing a, a larger role into how this story plays out. Now, I mean, they may not survive into the to episode four, but 
did the Empire go through all the Jedi Temple uh, archives to see who was a Jedi and make sure that they were dead? Like, so mm-hmm. that whole that whole thing. That's where I kind of went off, and then I had to rewind it and watch the scene over again because I kind of got lost in my own head. <laughs> well, and no. what I think, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, I was I was going to say I think um, that the other question you have to ask though is especially by a New Hope, like, does this Inquisitor uh, apparatus get dismantled by the time of a new hope yeah, is this is this well is this the overarching goal that this rebel cell ends up having to deal with so that the greater rebellion can have its victories elsewhere that you know on rebels we're going to see them deal with the inquisitors on rogue one we're going to see see them get the death star plans you know what i mean like is this is this sort of the goal we're going to have with the whole series is them taking apart this system. I think that's solid. I think that's a pretty solid bit of a speculation there, Brian. I like mm-hmm. that as a, I like that as a, uh, an overarching goal. If you've got a, uh, a nascent cell of the rebellion to the point where the rebellion hasn't even, you know, fully auto all the way formed yet. Um, and this cell has two Jedi in it. Like it makes sense that, uh, Mon Mothma, uh, in general, Maydine, uh, and Admiral Akbar might point this cell towards wiping out the Inquisitors so that they don't have as many Force-sensitive uh, enemies on their tail. Like, it's hard enough just having to deal with Vader. I don't even know if they know that the Emperor is Force-sensitive. So, uh, like, so far as they know, Vader is a known quantity. Like, that guy can choke you across space and time. We have to deal with him already. If there are seven other jerks <laughs> with spinning red helicopter blades of death, we need to take care of them. And you two have your own little blue glow sticks that you can cut people up with. How about you go and deal with them and we'll deal with getting the snow speeders to work on Hoth uh, and roping up a bunch of Wampa to make sure that they don't trash our bases and our, uh, you know, our, our safe hiding spots, those and, sorts of things. And the weakness between these Inquisitors, as you saw it in this episode from this week, is like they kind of fought between each other. So they're, they're, not, they're not working together, and that's the weakness that, the, that Kanan and Ezra can, t- can use against them. You know, what's interesting, too, I want either Rebels or Rogue One to answer me the question that why did Bail Organa um, decide that now was the time like we can't wait for Luke anymore. We need you now to mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. Um, because Obi-Wan is, has been in hiding and no one's ever thought to him. Is it, is it, and, and Bail Organa has been on rebels and there's nothing that says he can't be in rogue one. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy well, Smith is still around. I don't think they've cast him. I don't, um, think if Jimmy, I, mean, I don't think if Jimmy Smith's got hired, I think we would, we would know by now, although but, maybe, Maybe they're waiting until uh, you know the middle of production to sort of uh, scoop them up and then slap them into a roll real fast. They could. It's absolutely possible. Um, but the idea that maybe what if what if the ending of Rebels? What if Rebels? Their goal is that they have to destroy these Inquisitor cells, mm-hmm. right? And they fail miserably, and that's when Bail Organa says, "Like, listen, Ben Kenobi, you're like the only person who can take care of this because they're destroying everything else." Maybe that was his initial reason to send Leia after yeah. Obi Wan. It it could be you could tie it in that way. Um, it would be interesting. What here's here's what I really like about all this, and we're gonna end up segueing onto a a new discussion topic. I can already tell. Um, is that we we're, we're constantly probing 
You know, like we're, we're constantly tugging at every uh, loose shoelace uh, that we see flapping off of, uh, you know, the, the boots here of the story as it's moving along, uh, you know, hut one, two, three, four towards, uh, you know, rogue one towards, uh, episode seven, uh, towards episode four. Um, and sometimes tugging on those shoelaces leads to pretty interesting places. And sometimes, uh, you're, you're just tugging, uh, and it's, it's, it's a little bit pointless. Like there's an interview that Harrison Ford gave in a hot dog suit on Jimmy Kimmel. (laughs) (laughs) I think he killed Brian. There it is. <laughs> um and oh i've been Sorry. seeing people no it's okay it's all right i mean i i said harrison ford in a hot dog suit on jimmy kimmel that's it's gonna do something <laughs> it did something to harrison uh it's fake it's fine you can tell um but people were trying to mine that interview uh for details and i'm like no you're just you're just tugging at that point <laughs> you're not tightening the shoelace you're just tugging um, same thing with the uh, the Carrie Fisher interview with Daisy Ridley. I saw Vulture uh, put up a headline uh, that said uh, Carrie Fisher may or may not be playing Daisy Ridley's mom, and then a link to the interview. And I'm like, well, that was very helpful. <laughs> what a wonderful headline you just delivered. I, that, <laughs> so I that, so it, I click on it, and it's only half of the headline. It turns out the full headline is, but she certainly acts like Daisy Ridley's mom. And I'm like, what? No, she doesn't. What do you what? And then they start quoting excerpts of the interview from Interview Magazine, and they do leave out the one excerpt of the interview in which you could maybe argue that Carrie Fisher is acting motherly to Daisy Ridley, and that's you know the segment where uh, Carrie Fisher tells Daisy to to fight for her costumes and don't let her be a slave like she did, um, and that's the part of the interview they didn't print. So it's it's a lot of people looking through things and trying to find details. Um, and it's like if it's if it's in the marketing like that, you know, like Carrie Fisher isn't going to blow details as to whether or not she's related to Daisy Ridley in an interview that's going to get published. People at Lucasfilm are going to look at that. People at Disney are going to look well, at that. I think uh, it's I not going to say same with Harrison Ford in a hot dog suit on Jimmy Kimmel. You're not going to find out whether or not Han Solo dies in this movie through some sort of cryptic detail that a very stoned Harrison Ford tossed off in the middle of a comedic interview in a hot dog suit with Jimmy Kimmel. Like that's not the place to be looking. Same with the, uh, the Duracell commercial that just hit. And I want to talk about those ads in a little bit. We've been, I, I do, I do want to say something about what Harrison Ford said though. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to drop the audio of him saying it in, I don't know, but, uh, where he's just like, why would I say anything? Yeah. (laughs) What, what good does that do any of you? I want you to see the movie. Why did I, you know, like his, his attitude is basically like, why the hell did I spend all that time making the movie if I'm going to tell you what happens in the movie on a goddamn interview where I'm dressed as a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> what he should have done is like maybe just barked it in, mo- in Morse code because he opened the interview just saying woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been interesting. No, no, no. I'll go ahead and spoil some interesting details, but you better know Morse code. And also, I'm but- going to modulate the tone of my woofs. Uh, and that'll- As a matter of fact, I'm going to communicate in hexadecimal like they do in the but- Marsh. I'm Seriously to- though, like why why would any of these actors spoil I mean Carrie Fisher because I, I just don't think she cares. Yeah. Uh, but I also don't think she cares enough to actually talk about the movie either. Yeah. Which is what the result of that interview with Interview Magazine was. Mm-hmm. Um but no, why was, that that interview was fun and it was great. 
uh, and it had nothing to do. Same with J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, on Vanity Fair, holding an iPad, yeah. a whole bunch of uh, like you know celebrities, TV stars, uh, venture capitalists uh, are asking him questions that he's obviously never heard before. And it's obviously, it's straight up a comedy piece. Like, the fact that George Lucas asked a question about Darth Vader's grandkids isn't a spoiler. There's no spoiler in there. And you know for a fact J.J. Abrams isn't going to actually answer anything. Well, <laughs> like, and my... People were disappointed in that video because there there were no real answers in it. I'm like, what do you? Well, that's oh. not the movie. Yeah, of course, there's not going to be any answers in it. It's JJ was holding an my iPad. Favorite, the the only thing I think you could have gotten an answer for is I loved how uh, he said, "George, why why are you asking me? You made all this shit up." <laughs> exactly. Um, like an answer. But if nothing else, the only thing that might support is the idea that Lucas's blueprint is still in play. Maybe. Maybe, but even then, like I think, it's I just think, a comedy piece. Exactly. At this point, we're this close to the movie actually, you know, screening. We're not going to get anything from from interviews. We're not going to get like plot details from commercials, like that Duracell commercial. People were mining it um, and getting actually fairly verklempt over the idea that something might have been spoiled. And I'm like, look, guys, there's no way plot relevant details especially coming from the last half of The Force Awakens, are going to be hinted at or alluded to in a commercial for batteries <laughs> with less than 50 days to go before the movie comes out. Like, nobody's going to have that just slip by them. Just en- enjoy what you're getting right now for, for the pure entertainment value of it. That's, what you, that's probably the best way to go about interacting with this entertainment. And it's it not is a really how- awesome uh, commercial, it's, it's it's not hard to do when the commercials are as awesome as they are. And I know it might sound weird to you know talk about enjoying commercials and criticizing commercials on a level uh, right next to you know television shows and movies. But I think that speaks to how vital the, uh, the entire merchandising and marketing aspect of Star Wars is to large parts of the fandom. For example, uh, that, that Battlefront ad from PlayStation mm-hmm. where the, the two kids who have been playing you know, Star Wars with each other uh, since they were little. Now they're, you know, they're all grown up and they're in their, their boring, drudging <laughs> office job, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, an X-Wing shows up and they're off and they're flying and they're playing Star Wars again just like they used to. Like, for a lot of people, Star Wars, I don't want to say is less the movies, but it's, I want to say like 50-50. Like, watching Star Wars is very important to being a Star Wars fan, obviously. That almost needs to go without saying. Sure. But uh, playing Star Wars, uh, you know, Star Wars toys, Star Wars books, Star Wars clothes, uh, <laughs> Star Wars bedsheets, uh, Star Wars cookbooks, Star Wars activity books, coloring books, like all that stuff is just as much, if not more, uh, vital to the experience of being a Star Wars fan as actually just sitting down and watching the movie. And I think these commercials uh, are tapping into it. That Battlefront commercial absolutely does. And yeah. this Dirt commercial that's currently taking over the internet, like, it doesn't have to have a frame of Star Wars footage in it to make you feel that warm and fuzzy that you can only feel from Star Wars because of its cultural impact and because of the way that even if you hadn't watched the movies, you probably still played Star Wars with some friends every now and again. Like, is it, yeah, all the adventures how- we had as kids playing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that commercial is actually uh, interesting in that um, Lucasfilm played a pretty heavy hand in that commercial, that Duracell one with the, you know, the AT-ATs and the lightsabers and the, and the stormtroopers. And Kylo Ren's uh, shuttle. Yeah. Um, 
ILM did the post-production. Like, ILM worked on that commercial. It was directed by Sean Levy, who made all the uh, Night at the Museum movies. Yeah. Um, and Matt Wood actually worked on the sound. So, that, I mean, that's a Lucasfilm production. And the fact that it's, you know, kids playing with toys that are coming to life, it sort of makes sense that the guy who directed the Night at the Museum movies would also work on that commercial. So I think that's, that's partially why it ends up working as well as it does. It's such a great of- commercial. Yeah, it's it's really fun, and uh, I I wanted to see what you guys thought of that. If it if it touched you and your warm and fuzzies as much as uh, it seems to have touched everyone else, I didn't think I could get uh, even more excited about a commercial than I did with the uh, PlayStation Four commercial. Like mm-hmm. that hit home hard. We were talking about that last week, I think. How yeah. just how that was just me as a young kid, and 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 still looking out my window at work, daydreaming about jumping into a an X wing. So mm-hmm. I didn't think it'd be possible. Then I saw that Energizer. I mean, yeah, I saw that commercial. Duracell. 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 Give credit where it's due. Yes, I'm sorry. They I saw paid it. a lot for that ad. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought about the bunny going by and, and blowing up the shuttle. No, anyway, so I saw that Duracell commercial and seeing the parent, parents sitting there with the, uh, the ad-ad and him running around the stormtroopers and BB-8 off the side and Kylo Ren's shuttle and just, it did. It, it, even, it even succeeded. The, the PlayStation commercial for me. I, I just, I can't get enough of it. I must've watched it 20 times. Yeah. Brian, your thoughts. I am. Um, I mean, admittedly, I've spent most of the last week in a fever delirium. And when I get a fever, apparently just about anything I watch will make me think it's a, either the greatest thing ever and B make me cry. <laughs> like 22,000 uh, viewers saw on YouTube. Oh, Jesus. Um, it's like 26 now. Wow. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, and it's funny, I have not actually publicly made a comment about the trailer. All of, all there's been is me crying about it on YouTube. Uh, crying and shushing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so uh, this trailer hit me way harder than the Battlefront one. Like, the yeah. Battlefront one was okay, but it kind of, like, played to the whole, like, you're an adult. Uh, you know, maybe you should act more like a kid. And it's like, I've never lost that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at all um so the one aimed at kids hit me a lot more because uh i kind of still think like that i guess i don't know like it 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 didn't pander to me it pandered to it didn't pander at all like it was about kids enjoying star wars on their own terms which is why it never even crossed my mind that like ray using the force might have been a spoiler because that wasn't ray that was a little kid dressed up as ray playing with her brother yeah, that's what I was talking about with people trying to glean spoilers from places that there aren't really like she's dressed up as Ray because they're going to transition into the new Star Wars for the sake of this ad to tie it into the toys that you're going to need to buy and the batteries you're going to have to put into those toys. Like that's why she's dressed up as Ray. Obviously, it's not like, oh, and by the way, we're going to sneak in a hint about the Force Awakens uh, for you into this Duracell commercial. Yeah, like, if you're paying attention, you won't need to see the movie. We're going to get let y'all know it right yeah, now. That's, that's not an aim of the commercial. The aim of the commercial is to sort of uh, evoke in you those feelings uh, that you had when you were a kid and your ability to hopefully go out and enable other kids to have those feelings for themselves, which is why this commercial works as well as it does and why the Battlefront commercial works as well as it does and why the Toys R Us commercial uh, makes me sucks. want to bash my head against a wall. <laughs> uh, that Toys R Us commercial is like all of the great things about this Duracell and uh, <laughs> and this PS4 commercial completely 100% inverted. It's not at all about the kids. 
And it's not about the kids uh, enjoying themselves and or the inner kids of ours of us. No, it's all about the father getting validation for having successfully converted a child against their will. It's the, like the worst possible message you can send in, in a toy commercial to anybody because it's not even about buying toys. It's about uh, patting yourself on the back for, you know, cloning yourself in the form of your child. It's, it's an awful and message. That's, it, that bugs me a lot because I kind of get accused of that by people yeah. who don't know. Like, yeah, um, people assume that this is what I do with my children. Like that commercial is a stereotypical representation of what people assume I've done with my kids. Now, believe me, if my kid, like I have never ever once forced my kids to watch Star Wars against their will, mm-hmm. ever, and I've never gone out and been like, "Hey, let's go, let's go to the toy store," and then only sit down them in front of the Star Wars toys and make them pick one of those toys. Never. Otherwise, I wouldn't have as many Legos and My Little Ponies and Pokemon around my house as I would because my kids are into what my kids are into and I'm into what I'm into. Yeah, The Star Wars toys are mine. Mm-hmm. I don't need them playing with them. I think the key distinction to make here is that um, you at no point in your life uh, as a father uh, have ever needed your child to like what you like in order for you to emotionally connect with them. Yeah. And that's the underlying theme of that Toys R Us commercial. It's it's that he doesn't really connect with his daughter until his daughter picks up Kylo Ren's lightsaber and leers at him like she's going to stab him once the commercial is over. Yeah, that's that's the one point I wanted to make about the commercial, Bobby. Um, yeah. Just real quickly, for me, um, Anya, she always <laughs> chooses star wars that she loves it as much as i do i've never pushed it on her she has brought clone wars to me i didn't even watch the show until her so yeah yeah, yeah. so it's nice that we have that connection it's something that she came to on her own now maybe because i like star wars she might have had a little more of an interest in checking it out i don't know but Hmm. um like this year she's queen amidala for for halloween last year she was vader the year before that stormtrooper so it's cool that she does all that but this commercial what i took out of it was what you guys are saying makes sense, but what I took out of it at the end was if you want to look at it as like hidden meetings. So he, yeah. this ho- for the whole life of this kid, he's been forcing Star Wars upon her and the toys, and she has to love the love the movies and love the whole experience by it. But then they go to the Toys R Us, and she finds Kylo Ren's lightsaber, and now she looks all evil, like she's going to kill her dad because of his her whole life he's been forcing Star Wars upon her. It's like that's I kind of went like an evil route on it, like that look on her face, like. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down with this sword, Dad. Why are you doing this to me this whole time, Dad? So it was a little evil uh, look on well, her face. And maybe that's thematically fitting in with Star Wars. You know, trouble with between fathers, generations yeah. is something. Fathers and sons, fathers and daughters. Yeah. That's um, you know something that Star Wars deals with. But no, I don't. I I didn't like it. It left a bad taste in my mouth. And in fact. It left so bad a taste in my mouth that I'd like ejected it from my memory until Bobby was like, so what'd you think about that one? I'm like, didn't watch it. <laughs> you didn't watch this one? No, I did watch it, actually. I remember that very distinctly, and I hated it. <laughs> um, so, but no, yeah, that Duracell ad is uh, magical in that not only is it all about kids, uh, you know, having their imagination sparked by Star Wars, which, you know, millions upon millions upon millions uh, of children over the generations have. Um, but it's also about the parents uh, enabling that, not forcing it on them. Yeah, enabling but, it. Okay, yeah, my, yeah my, my kids are obviously into this, so I'm going to help them with this this playing that they're going to do. And it was it was very cool. It was almost 
it was never not focused on the kids expressing their imagination. It was never not. Same with the, the PlayStation 4 ad. It was about those kids who had then grown up and then found a way to express their imagination. They're doing it on the PS4. Um, you know what? But what they did really great in both of those commercials, though, is that mm-hmm. the kids, when they're kids, they're outside playing, and then the adults are the one playing the video game. So it's nice to see that they're telling the kids get out there and play instead of just sitting around playing a video game. True. To me, this commercial was basically like a live-action human version of Muppet Babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. That, I never and, thought and Muppet and Babies would get dropped on the Muppet show. I like Muppet Babies as a kid, and I like Muppet Babies because it was exactly that. Like, use your imagination. The Star Wars episode of Muppet Babies was always my favorite. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, That's the a, only way they could have made that ad more tailored to my nostalgia and not the kids was <laughs> if it was just Muppet Babies. <laughs> um, I, I'll, although I want to bring this up because I think this provides a nice segue uh, into our last segment. Um, like Mike said, uh, Anya's dressed up as a Star Wars character the last three Halloweens. Mike's got to get out of here in a little bit because yeah. he's got his daughter out to go trick-or-treating for Halloween. And we're recording this on Halloween. Uh, and uh, we, we got to talk about uh, scary moments in Star Wars. StarWars.com put up uh, a video where their, uh, their editorial staff sat down in a room and hashed out the 10 scariest Star Wars moments. Uh, and I wanted to go over the list and see if you guys agreed with it uh, or whether or not you'd rearrange it. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to go down the list. Yeah, it's not gonna be, yeah. I, I highly suggest you go to StarWars.com and watch the list because they, they put in work yeah and 10 best uh scary moments yeah that work me just reading it isn't as cool as going to starwars.com and watching it. but i'm gonna tick off the list and i want to see what you guys think okay number 10 spider mall number nine the rancor in return of the jedi number eight the inquisitor threatening ezra during ezra's trial number seven vader's interrogation of leia number six the Geonosian zombies with the brain worms. Number five, the Wampa. Number four, Anakin learning a very Bernie lesson about the high ground. <laughs> Number three, the Minoc jump scare. Number two, Emperor frying Luke with lightning. And number one, the cave on Dagobah. Now, do you guys more or less generally agree with that list, or are you going to start trying to move some stuff around there? Brian, I want to check in with you first. Um, you know, I, I typically agree with that list. I think that there's a moment that they missed completely that I would have taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Inquisitor with Ezra and replaced Vader almost cutting Ezra's head off with his own lightsaber. You think that was scarier? I think that was scarier. Yeah? Yeah. And I think... Um, I, I I think for me emotionally, like in a, a scary moment, they 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 seem to have missed was Anakin's decision um, between you know I think cutting off Mace Windu's hand, yeah, um, and it, like you get the reverse of it with Palpatine and and Luke on the list, mm-hmm. but uh, I can't. I mean, for me, it's not scary. It's emotionally traumatic. But for a kid whose hero is Anakin, but also hero worshipped Mace Windu, yeah. uh, I can imagine that being probably one of the scariest moments in in all of Star Wars. All right. Uh, Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I would move Vader interrogating Leia up the list. I think it should be higher than it is. I think mm-hmm. that um, it's a shame that we can't add some of the 
legend stuff or some of the EU stuff into it. Um, Death Troopers was really scary. That whole book yeah. was pretty <laughs> damn scary. Um, mall, Spider Mall. Um, yeah, I think that should be up higher on the list too. And and I'm glad Brian brought up that whole part with, uh, um, even though I don't really care for him too much, um, Mace Windu. Uh, Anakin cutting off his hand, him getting force lightning and fall going out the window. I thought that was a pretty scary moment too. I think that whole uh, from that moment of the movie uh, on, uh, killing youngsters and and going on to you know um, Mustafar and killing all those dude. That was that scary Anakin. That was pretty when he becomes Vader. That's pretty damn scary. So yeah. What about you, Bobby? I would put the Minoc jump scare in the top three. Um, yeah, it, I think I, everybody jumped for that. I would put that probably near number one. And I think they also missed the other jump scare from Empire, uh, which is uh, Vader coming out from behind that pillar after uh, Luke's like going to oh, yeah. cut Luke's head off. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's such a monster. when that And there's no music either. So there's no real hint as to what's going to happen. It's just you get that one cut. And then all of a sudden you're behind Luke and this hulking shadowy monster with a giant red stick of death. Uh, is looming over and it doesn't matter where the camera moves like Vader never shrinks in size he just gets bigger and bigger in the frame and that's like honestly scary it's sort of interesting how much of Empire is built around going into caves going into holes and having monsters actually waiting in there every yeah. time there is a monster waiting in those caves um, the, the cave on it's essentially a cave on Cloud City that Luke enters he doesn't walk in through you know uh, a gantry or a hallway he ends up in a weird tube and comes out of the tube into a cave where there's a monster waiting for him. Uh, you know, there, there's the cave on Dagobah, which is sort of scary, but in a weird dreamlike way. Uh, I remember when I was little, the first time I watched it, um, it felt sort of nightmarish, but it wasn't like scary, scary, not in the same way that Minoc jump scare was. But again, Minoc inside of a cave, like there's a lot there, of horror well, movies. It wasn't a cave, it was, was a space slug. True, but yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, there was that space slug, but that was no cave, yeah. But the space slug was in a cave, that's true, in a cave, in a space slug that was meant to look like a cave. So, yeah. well, and the wampas was the wampa was in a cave, yep, exactly. Yeah, like there's, there's a lot of horror movie elements to Empire Strikes Back, which is nuts because it's also the most romantic and the most comedic of all the Star Wars films, I think. Um, so you've got all this, like it before Shaun of the Dead, decades before Shaun of the Dead you essentially had a horror romantic comedy that was also a Star Wars movie um, with Muppets. So <laughs> Empire Strikes Back is pretty miraculous as a film if you think of it in that way. But I, I, like, I like the list. I, like, I think I would have pushed the, the Geonosian brain zombies up a little bit higher. They did that very well. Another Clone Wars uh, episode that I thought built in horror really good. Uh, the, the opening of the Lost Missions yeah, where they had that almost entirely silent uh, gliding camera going through the uh, the wrecked ship and and they've got to hide from the the battle droids the terminator-esque battle droids as they're floating through in zero gravity to to grab the clone like that whole sequence was legitimately tense and not just for clone wars not tense in the terms of clone wars but tense period like yeah you like to see that show talking up. about that another thing that pops in my head that was a scary moment in star wars for me was uh just recently in rebels when Vader comes out and fighting Ezra and Kanan and they throw the walker on him and he comes out and the flames are all over the place and he's pushing up. That was a pretty scary moment. If I would, if I didn't know any better, I'd be really petrified. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely uh, one of the more uh, ambitious moments so far as iconography. 
Like it's hard to take something with Vader and add it to the uh, the iconography of Star Wars in a way that feels meaningful because like it, he's already done so much. As- just the the size that that they portray him as fighting Kanan, being like two feet above him, just the the camera angles. Well, it's, well, it's not camera angles, but just the angles that they use. The whole scene is petrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much they're trying to get him in as much nightmare imagery as possible, and it works more often than it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a pretty solid list. I think I'd put the Minoc jump scare and the Vader jump scare uh, way higher up there. But the thing I like about thinking about stuff like this with Star Wars, whether it's jump scares or romantic moments or anything, is that it proves how malleable the Star Wars universe is. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you can skin just about any sort of story as a Star Wars story in the Star Wars universe and not feel like you're. Um, disingenuous to star wars right you can do your underworld stories you can do you know you can do your godfather stories you can do your westerns you can do your horror stories you can do your romance you can do your top gun movies you can do (laughs) anything you want to in star wars and there's a place for it Mm -hmm. i like that yeah yeah Yeah. it's very very cool i think that's why we love star wars bro yeah, I think it's a good note to uh, to end the show on. Absolutely, Thanks. absolutely. That was so for Halloween. You got an extended episode of Full Sis. So how's that? There's your little trick or treat. Smell <laughs> my feet. Give me something good to eat. So um, if you'd yeah. like to leave us a voicemail, maybe share your thoughts on the uh, top ten list or anything else that we discussed tonight. You can give us a call two zero six four two six five five nine two or the Speakpipe app on the website, which is fullofsit.com, and there you can find all of our contact information and show notes and images and all that. You can download. Uh, I know a lot of people last couple of weeks have been asking to download the music that we use. That's all there on the website and the uh, full of Sith t-shirts. There's a link on there for, for that being available. So jump on that and then you can wear it to the force awakens premiere when that comes shortly. It's coming so quick. Um, our contact information is our Twitter at full of Sith at the mic at Bobby Roberts, PDX at swank Motron at Amy underscore geek and facebook.com slash full of Sith is where uh, we post some pretty great things and we get some good conversations going as well. You guys do a really good job. You do that more than I do. And I appreciate going to check that stuff out too. And I know the listeners do as well. And then holocron at full of is where you can reach us via email or Brian at full Mike at full Bobby at fullset.com and uh, guys, you want to add anything else where people can look for you? Um, I would, I would like to say really quickly, just, I've got two new books coming out in the next two weeks. One of them is a collection of space opera, short stories called uh, escape vector that you should check out and find and buy. We'll put a link to it. And uh, my, my world war one steampunk alternate history Sweet. book called the aeronaut is is coming as well and you actually name dropped it this time good job brian i know <laughs> <laughs> bobby uh you can find out all his uh stuff at geek remixed right mm-hmm. and yeah. um uh, and i'm on i'm on twitter again and i'm on facebook again usually uh i, I want to say uh quite a fair amount of the stuff that you see on the full Sith facebook page uh that you should uh follow and like if you don't already uh is stuff that i have uh found from trawling the internet and deciding to share with you guys there so uh yeah, get at me. It is get appreciated. Yeah, talk. Let's let's have a conversation. Confab Star Wars with Bobby Roberts. And oh. uh, also, if you haven't left an iTunes review, please do that as well. And then let's talk about Force Awakens, Brian. People want to go out in Salt Lake City and do some Star Wars watching. So opening weekend, we're going to be around the Salt Lake City area. I know we're we're hosting the marathon and doing trivia and discussions during the marathon. Uh, 
but I'm pretty sure it's sold out. Well, if gonna, um, I know a bunch of people contacted me that they got their tickets. Sweet. But so we'll see you guys there. But then there's going to be other uh, screenings we're going to be at. I know Salt Lake Comic Con has screenings um, the night of December 17th. I believe it's a 10 o'clock show that they're giving away all the tickets for. And Mike and I will be there for that. Yeah. Um, so basically, there will be probably a dozen opportunities to see Force Awakens with Mike and I opening weekend. Yeah, we'll be there all weekend. It's going to be a good time. So uh, look into doing that. Um, besides that. Episode 139 of Full of Sith for Bobby Roberts and Brian Young. And uh, Amy will be back soon. I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you, always. If you're not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.